This is the Chapel of DBTS. Be sure to subscribe and listen to the Chapel messages weekly. And for more info, please go to dbts.edu. And now today's message. Good morning. Let me ask you to take your Bibles, please, and go to Proverbs chapter 22, please. Proverbs chapter 22. And hope that the semester has gotten off to a good start for you. And uh, looking forward to the, this year. It's a good opportunity always to, to grow in grace as you handle God's Word. And I trust you'll handle it uh, with the kind of reverence that it deserves. So it's not just a, a bit of information, uh, but it's actually uh, the, the revelation of our God to us. What I'd like to do as the Lord gives opportunity in chapel for uh, my opportunities is sort of focus a little bit on leadership. And one of the things that I think that is crucial uh, is, is that uh, as you grow in your ministry burden and desires and look toward the future, uh, is that you be uh, developing your leadership abilities and commitments uh, and I'm not ne- I'm not mean that really probably any kind of like a hugely technical way as much as it is uh, if if you desire the office of overseer you are de- you're aspiring to a place of influence in the church and that's leadership you're seeking to influence people uh, according to God's word and and so what I'd like to do is just uh, probably uh, pretty simply with uh, lots of I think hopefully. Uh, valuable application, but ground us in some truths. And I want to start with one that I really, in in some sense, is, um, I guess, perhaps, uh, maybe in ways uh, overlooked, I think, uh, partly because we, uh, I think we tend to be uh, people of the very day in which we live. And one of the things that I hope we are able to do through seminary, is expand your perspective in that regard. That that many of the problems, if not most of the problems that you'll face are not brand new. That the things that you're encountering uh, are the kinds of things that you're being equipped actually to be able to handle. And, and that uh, God's word and in fact... Uh, the reality of our human existence in the image of God enables us to, to go into the future not, not blindly. I mean, we actually, uh, I, don't, I, I mean, there are certain aspects of leadership that I think probably uh, certain aspects of it people may possess uh, and, and uh, more n- natively and other things have to be cultivated, but it probably is... It's probably a mixed bag, right? Some people are naturally strong in some areas, and then they have to work hard to cultivate the others, and it's it's just the opposite for some. Uh, I don't think anybody just sort of arrives on the scene with it all nailed down. Uh, so, so I think it's the kind of thing that we can learn if we adopt, in some senses, I think a part of the, the principle I want to look, look at today. Look at Proverbs 22 and verse 3. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. And that little bit of wisdom, which might be pretty obvious, is probably viewed as important since it's essentially repeated in chapter 27. 
The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. I mean, so, so what might be like an obvious thing is probably uh, not uh, as universally accepted. I mean, I, I, I think it's attributed to Einstein, but I don't know if it actually is, and I didn't bother looking it up. But supposedly he said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results. I mean, the, the, the thing is that you just, you know, you keep doing this and and X happens and then you do it again and you think something else is going to happen. And and that's sort of obvious, but it's it's often the case you'll see in uh, personal lives, in marriages, in families, in pastors, right, that, that they actually don't, they don't see the 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 problem and avoid it they seem oblivious to it and they just march right into it again i mean they just they just repeatedly walk into the same trouble again and again and and what this text is saying is that's the difference between the prudent person and the simple person and simple here is not being used positively Right, the person who is not manifesting wisdom, they're naive, they're a simpleton. They keep coming into the same circumstances and not paying attention to it and 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 suffer for it. Whereas the prudent person actually has some power of observation here. It says the prudent sees the danger. Charles Bridges, uh, I think. Uh, captures some, I mean, actually expands on it, right? When evil comes, most men can see it, but the prudent foresee it. Not that God has given us knowledge of the future. This would only have encouraged arrogance, but he has given us wisdom to naturally foresee evil and to forecast the effective means of deliverance. Not that the wise man is gifted with supernatural knowledge. He only uses the discernment God has given him. So, so really, it's it's the the mark of a wise person to be uh, aware of what's coming, so that they can take prudent steps to avoid the the calamity of it. Uh, in in uh, his commentary, Robert Alden says the prudent man is cautious; he recognizes danger and pulls back. The fool, on the other hand, is oblivious to risk and keeps on going. In the end, he will suffer for his carelessness. I mean, so so here's a, 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 a principle of wisdom about how you navigate life. And, and it is most often, I think, highlighted by its lack of use. That people repeat the same mistakes that other people have made, that they've made, and, and, it, and it produces the same kind of problem for them. I remember years ago, uh, a fellow who's retired from our staff now, but we served together uh, on on another uh, church staff, and he was the elementary principal. and And I just remember out of off the something had happened, and he said, and he's older than me, and he said, he said, "Here's the thing I've learned: okay, you're going to make mistakes, just don't make the same mistake twice." And that's essentially this this principle. 
That is, you know, you're, you're going to mess up, but when you've recognized what you did wrong, then you don't repeat it. Okay, you start to learn from it. That's a kind of perception that's necessary for you to be a good leader. For myself, the way I've tried to think through it is, is the, in terms of, uh, and I think Proverbs supports this, and I'll try and show you that, but I think that means wherever you are, you have to have an awareness and a sense of, of vision, and I'm not using that like as in, you know, some gigantic picture of the future as much as like you're seeing if you're not if you're blinded you can't see what's going right so you can't see the evil or the danger i think you have to have a sense of vision that actually we could call hindsight right so we're learning from past experiences so that when we encounter new situations we have an ability to to assess them Right. So if you just are clueless about what's happened to you, what's happened, say, let's put it in the context of ministry, what's happened previously in the church you're now serving in, what's happened to other people as they've walked through life and ministry, if you're just sort of clueless to that, then you have no grid by which to look at what's coming ahead of you. You can't spot things that you need to because you're not actually taking the time to do that. And in fact, you see this, uh, you see it, I think, uh, in numbers of examples in the scripture. But but just I'll show you an example of how Proverbs are. Look over to chapter 24, that this is a, a part of the way we cultivate practical wisdom. Look down to verse 30. Of chapter 24, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it, I looked and received instruction. Okay, so so here's a, a, a real world example in an agrarian culture. And the person's going by the field of a sluggard and he sees the condition it's in and what's happened to it. And as he reflects on it, the experience of that sluggard, he receives instruction. He learns from it. Right? So that person's failure to exercise due responsibility becomes an opportunity for him to learn. And he's not just like talking about history lessons. He's obviously wanting to draw a conclusion to say, so if I have a field and these kinds of things, then I need to make certain that I pay attention to those details so that mine doesn't end up like that. Right? That's, that's what he's talking about. Here's the mistake that was made by this person. So I need to take a look as I navigate the future to make certain that I'm spotting where I might be starting to make the same mistakes, right? So, I mean, again, I'm just trying to be uh, illustrative from this. So that would mean, let's say this guy owns a field, and one day he's out walking, and he sees something in disrepair. He now knows, if I continue to leave it in this state, at some point it's going to really bite me. I'm going to be in trouble. So instead of just 
naively going on and letting the consequences fall on his head, he takes steps to address it. Right? He 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 deals with the problem because he 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 sees what could come by virtue of it. Right? So so we have to have a kind of heart that is is determined to learn from experience, if I can put it this way, both ours and of other people. I mean, here's really one of the great values of why we require you to take church history. Is because you have to learn from the stuff that's happened before so that you have a grid by which you can anticipate what's coming at you. Right? And how many times do people end up, and when I say people, I'm just talking Brindley, I mean, the, the, the same kinds of problems surface. I mean, you could, you know, you could, you could take the end of the 1800s and the early 1900s and probably just lay them right alongside of the end of the 1900s and the early 2000s and watch what was happening with what was at that point called modernism and at this point the emerging church or whatever you want to call it but i mean it's the same the same kinds of foolishness showing itself the negotiating away of uh, biblical authority in order to accommodate the unbelief of the culture in which we are. And people who have no awareness of it essentially just walk in and go, hey, we're in a new day, a new time. We've never seen things like this before. They're simpletons. And they walk right into the danger. Right? And likewise, the reactions and response to those two, pro- I mean, that movement and that problem, what, what was done right, what was done wrong, and what that would mean for how we should respond today. Right? I mean, that, that's the point of it. Or you show up at a church. You're not, you're not dropping into a, a history-less environment. Things have happened which have produced where you are. And one of the first things you need to do is is start to understand that. Learn from that. Recognize potentially where uh, problems were that may not have been resolved well or the way they were handled produced this or that. And all of a sudden you start to see something come up here and you go, you know what? That, that seems a lot like this. And I better walk cautiously around it. Right? Not just naively going, well, that, that was because the last guy was an idiot. I can do this and it won't have be a problem. Right? Because it's, it's, it's our arrogance at times that thinks that we're not subject to those things. So, so what we need to realize is that there has to be a sense in which we have an ability uh, to learn from those things. So it, it means you should get wiser as you gain more experience. And I'm, I deliberately emphasize the word should because it's certainly true that it's not always the case, right? Because people experience 
calamity because of their foolishness and yet return to it like a dog does to his vomit. That's what Proverbs warns us. So obviously some people don't learn from their experiences. They just keep going back to the same problem. You should learn as you gain experience. And the experience, uh, but if I could put it this way, the experience itself does not produce wisdom. And, and you need to recognize that. I mean, if, if experience automatically produced wisdom, there would be no old fools, right? Present company excluded, that's not true. Uh, there are old fools, all right? I mean, there are people who, who do not learn. Uh, and, and in fact, at the very heart of a fool, if you look at Proverbs, is that they don't learn. There's all these picturesque, the one I love the most is you can, and it probably is lost in the newer translations, but you can grind him in a pestle with a mortar. Or is it in a mortar with a pestle? Yes, grind him in a mortar with a pestle. So it's a, you know, the, uh, if you go to a pharmacy and you, sometimes they have that symbol of the, the bowl and the thing and then you, you, you grind up the pill. That's what it's saying. You can, you can put a fool in there and you can grind him up, but he's not going to get it. You can beat him with, with multiple lashes. He's not going to get it, right? So, so if you find yourself consistently repeating the mistakes of the past, then, then there's something wrong, right? Because you should be learning from them. And, and if you're not, then you're not teachable. And if you're not teachable, it means you're foolish. So, so we need to evaluate and learn from experience in order to produce wisdom. Ultimate evaluation would be under the light of Scripture. We're not just after shrewd leaders, right? So, so if someone goes, well, the last time I used this lie and it didn't work, so I'm not going to use that lie anymore, I'll use this lie, right? That's not what we're talking about. Right, you would evaluate your experience under the authority of God through His Word so that you're, you're not just learning manipulative techniques, you're not learning any kind of unethical uh, reality. You're trying to work with the Word of God to evaluate what happened and see if there's things that you can learn, but also the practical ramifications of things that, that you uh, have to do time and context, right? Because... There's not a one-size-fits-all that just applies across the world, right? So I've got four sons that are all adults now, married. That meant the same biblical principles about parenting and disciplining children had to be applied, but I wasn't working with, with uh, cookie-cutter kids, right? They're all unique. And so when you confront one and you start to learn their their responses, then you go, okay, i got to make sure I don't escalate the problem. I want to handle this in a way that, that moves us toward the solution. And so, so you try to develop practical wisdom. All right, last time we faced this problem, we did X. That didn't work out so well, so let's think about whether or not we should do Y. Always seeking to apply the principle. Same thing is true in your marriage. Right? Last time there was a problem that we need to talk about, I started it off like this. That didn't go so well. 
I can still feel it. No. You know, so so I'm going to I'm going to apply it. I'm going to try and work through it this way cuz I know her cuz I mean like if you haven't gotten the news flash, right? Your wife is probably not like your classmates and really not interested in you prosecuting points. Right? So so you go, boy, that didn't work well. So how can I better communicate? How can I more effectively? So you learn from it. If you don't, then all you do is just drive the wedge deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until so at some point it's going to blow up. I mean, at some point it's going gonna, it's gonna to crack. Same thing with pastoral leadership. Same thing with every aspect of it. So what has happened and what can I learn from it? And, and actually, this is one of the values, and I'm not saying that, that you have to do it, but I think that's one of the values of being, uh, for instance, in a position like a, a, a assistant pastor, because you can watch. I mean, I used to describe it when I was, is that, that it's, it's basically a great opportunity to Monday morning quarterback, right? Because you get to watch the decisions being made, you could possibly have some input into them, but, but ultimately it's not, you know, you're not bearing the final responsibility for it. And so you can draw conclusions and say, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would have done it that way. And, or oh, I saw what happened, and so I need to learn from that. So that when you encounter situations, you've got that experience. Getting close to people who can mentor you and help you see that. Look for patterns and principles that apply. So you need to have hindsight, all right? Obviously, this text would imply some level of an, uh, a forward look, right, <laughs> of, of foresight. That is the ability to envision the outcome ahead, that, that, that there are actions that you might take that, that produce certain outcomes. I think this is a part of what Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 26 would be calling us to. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Uh, and, and that's set in contrast in chapter 5 to, to the, the, uh, the forbidden woman who says her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Uh, she doesn't think about what path leads to life she just marches right along to death okay so there has to be a sense in which that we turn in fact uh, a lot of um, I think a lot of the cause effect stuff in Proverbs you know if this you do this it produces this that's laid out for us to understand that because one of the I mean one I believe, unique to us in the image of God, say, versus, you know, Fido <laughs> or whatever you, if you have a cat, would name it, but is is that we have been given by God uh, a capacity, if I could put it this way, for imagination, right? That, that we can actually, we can actually think about what might happen. You know, and I don't think the dog's sitting around going, hey, you know, let's, uh, let's run down to the dump this afternoon because just think about what we could find there. Right? They're not imagining a future. You and I, though, can sit here and we can look forward and we can actually sort of think through pathways. All right, so if we go here, 
what will happen? If we go here, what would happen? Well, if we make this call, what would happen? We can actually reflect on those things. We can, we can consider what would be the wisest next step because we can see beyond that next step. Right? We're not making a choice by, I'm, I'm standing here and I've got three options and I can only see those three options. I might not be able to guarantee what the third step out would be, but I certainly can, I can think about where it would go. Right? If, if I choose two, then what? Then what? Then what? I can actually think about that, and that's a part of what enables me to see the danger. Right? Because I start to think, if I trace this path out, it ends in a place that I don't want to be. The prudent see that, and they take a different path. Right? And, and I think, uh, I mean, this would just be my observation, that often guys get themselves in trouble, including me, as leaders, by not taking enough time to think about the downstream consequences of our decisions. We're just making decisions. Right, so um, decisions are passing by, and we go, yeah, okay, 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 and all of a sudden we've set the the balls rolling in different directions, and and then then we spend ministry time running around trying to grab them all back up because we actually didn't think through what would happen, right? And and Proverbs is constantly talking about if. Uh, I mean, like, for instance, it's similar to the 24 one, but in chapter 6, go to the ant, you sluggard. And what's it talk about? Gathering in the summer so that it has some in the winter. You don't do this, you're going to have a problem downstream. So you better be wise about that. There are things you need to do now that will affect the future and, and think through it. Or, or the warnings about adultery in 5 and 6 are, are very practical warnings, right? I mean, why not just say, and, and you certainly can, why not just say, it's wrong, don't do it. But, but Solomon talks about all of the consequences that come out of it. Right? You're, you're going down a pathway to death. You're going to have a husband that's never going to be satisfied but will be looking for vengeance you're going to be reduced your your property is going to be taken away from you and given other people i mean basically solomon's bringing his sons to the edge of the cliff and saying listen if you take this next step look what's going to happen to you look what's going to go and and you'll find as a practical, personal, marital, familial, ministerial reality that a lot of the problems that people find themselves in is precisely because they're like this. Instead of looking out and going, you know what? If I, if I take this step, it's going to start me down a pathway that is going to end up very bad. Right? It's, it's, it's going to end up bad. And so there needs to be some of that kind of forward-looking, considering the destination, 
so that you recognize it. And I'm not talking here slippery slope arguments, okay? That's not, I'm not saying, well, if you do X, you'll end up in that. I'm saying if you start down a certain path, you need to envision where it ends up, right? What, what does that produce? Make sure the road you're traveling will get you to the destination that you intend. Now, I realize that some of us might be inclined towards so much analysis that we never move, and I'm not arguing for that. But I, I think possibly we could say that uh, ready, aim, fire is better than ready, fire, aim, and much better than fire, ready, aim. Right? I mean, so, so we need to take some time to think about where things are going what that implies, what that will open up, what what kinds of downstream consequences come out of this. I think a third part of it, all right, and, and I, what I would say is these maybe are dimensions of the same thing, so I'm not talking about completely separate, like, you know, looking backward is one thing, looking forward is another thing, and then third you look sort of... Uh, not inward, but into the situation carefully, right? So, so what I'm saying is when you find yourself in any leadership moment, you need to be aware of what has preceded it that should influence you. Your own experience, the experience of other people, the, the, and, and when I say other people, it could be like immediate people you've learned from or big picture historical realities of it. You're, you, you, you've got that awareness that is enabling you to assess this process. You're also taking time to look up and say, all right, listen, I'm on a pathway. Where's that pathway headed? I mean, is there like a gigantic sinkhole up there? I need to have my eyes forward on it. But also to make that kind of decision and avoid the calamity, you have to understand the true nature of a situation too, right? So it's not, it's not just back and forward, but you actually have to have a kind of discernment, insight, that sees things in a, in a wise way. I mean, for instance, Proverbs 14.15 says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. The one who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Right? And here, here's where I think that, um, that if we're really concerned about walking wisely, then we actually slow down to carefully assess the factors in any decision. Right? So, so we actually even can't properly do hindsight and foresight unless we've got a clear picture of what we're dealing with. What's involved with this? Because then I can sort of run through the catalog of have, have I seen this before? What, what did I learn about this? What do I think this will lead to? I, I actually have to understand it. What am I dealing with here? What, am, what is at stake in this? And that requires us to be willing to think and probe and discern and ask questions and try to make sure we really understand. Because impulsive decisions as a leader seldom work out well. Right, if if we just we're just winging it, 
or we embrace every new opportunity that comes down the pipeline, then, then we really we, we should recognize that, um, that we have been pressed into the mold of our culture, which assumes new is better. Right? I mean, that's not getting into deep politics and all that kind of stuff, but, but the heart of progressivism is that progress is inherently good. And, and the contrast to that conservatism is that there is wisdom in our forebears. Right? That they wrestled with issues and came to decisions. And, and so before we would move away from places where we are to places where people want us to go, we actually are taking time to understand the issue, to think about it, to say there are actually probably principles at stake here. And there is such a thing as absolute with regard to truth and morality. It's not just whatever the situation is, whatever works, whatever seems like it's a bright, shiny new idea. So we would actually start to assess it and say, you know, what, what, what do I know from the scriptures about this? What, what do I understand the true nature of what's going on? What is being asked? What are we facing? And, and I think at times, and I don't know that, um, I mean, I, I think every believer, uh, because of the work of God in regeneration and the accessibility of the scriptures, uh, can pursue wisdom and discernment. In fact, I think every believer is obligated to. Because, for instance, in Hebrews 5, it says the growth from being immature to mature is skillful use of the word of righteousness and having your senses trained to discern between good and evil. Right? So that's not just something for like the, the specialist. It's for every believer. Paul prayed for the Philippians that their love would abound in more knowledge and discernment so that they would approve things that are excellent, so that they would be blameless and sincere until the day of Christ. So it's the goal of all believers to be cultivating a kind of insight into the real nature of things so that they can distinguish between evil and good. They can distinguish between foolish and wise. Right. So, so we have to really make certain that we're developing a disciplined and careful process of assessing issues, of, of, of looking at them so that we can determine if there's danger there or not by then evaluating in light of what has gone before and what we think might come after. And, and so a, a good leader has that kind of that kind of vision, right? They're aware of and have learned from the past experiences, their own and others, and, and they actually have an ability to sort of envision where the choices that they're making are leading. 
because they're taking the time to assess things and understand them well. What really is, and, and sometimes what happens is there's surface issues, and we tend to just choose on the surface issues, but we don't take time to, to say, so really what's, what's below that? What, what does that reflect about commitments and motivations and dispositions? And, and what, are we starting to, what are we starting to pull the thread on, right? Uh, you know, we've got a, you got a sweater or, or, or a, a, you know, a, a tie. You guys know what a tie is, right? <laughs> and and there's, a, there's a little thread there, and you start to pull on it because you think you can just, like, I can just get that out. And all of a sudden, you're, you're just marring the whole thing because you didn't actually take time to stop and go, all right, what, what is this? What, what is the problem? And what do I need to do about the problem? Okay? And, and, and so I really want to urge you to think about cultivating this kind of wisdom long before you're in the firefight of life. Right, where your choices are going to affect dozens of believers in a church. Right, and if you've been around, you know the kinds of what are seemingly insignificant bad choices, how they start to set off the sort of domino effect of problems. Right, most guys don't lose the the position of leadership in their church because of one big bad mistake. Sometimes that's the case. But almost inevitably, there, were, there was a, a starting of a series of bad decisions that, that either started off and now all culminated in the center or actually started off down a pathway that led to like a, a massive failure. So, so be prudent. Not a simple thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we have your word and the work of your spirit to help us understand its significance for our lives. And, and we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be wise and, and understand that uh, wisdom is such an important part of what it means to genuinely follow Christ, who is wisdom. And so, Lord, uh, cultivate in us the, the kind of uh, vision that is learning constantly, evaluating, discerning, thinking through ramifications uh, for our personal life, in our relationships, our ministry responsibility, that, that we, might, uh, we might have a heart for and a life of wisdom. Thank you for listening to the DBTS Chapel Hour. DBTS is a ministry of Inner City Baptist Church. To find out more about Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, please go to dbts.edu.